Anyway, holy ground, what does that mean? And how does it apply to our lives? With the deepest of respect with some religions, they take the concept of holy ground and I don't know that it is hugely biblical. For some people, holy ground is where it is blessed or consecrated and then it's holy forever unless it's deconsecrated. We don't really see that in the Bible. Um, I do know that when my grandmother had a number of stillborn children, uh, they weren't allowed to be buried on the holy ground of the local graveyard in West Cork. And so my granddad would have to take the dead babies and at night time bury them in a field. And the whole concept was you didn't say anything to the mother. The mother, the best advice was pull yourself together and get through it. It was almost a denial. And of course, if we don't deal with issues, we break down. And I think she, that happened to her. But holy ground has very different connotations. But I want to look at it biblically and see how you and I can understand it. So from a biblical point of view, holy ground, the Hebrew word, is admat kodesh. And the concept of holy ground in the Bible was where was God's presence? Is God there? Do I feel him there? Is he honoured there? It can be a church building, it can be a cathedral, or it could be a mountain, or it could be a tent. But it's somewhere where God is presence, and you know that, and he's respected, and he's worshipped. So it's a big thing in Judaism, and was, and parallel to it is the whole concept of Yahef which is the Hebrew word for going barefoot. There was something about holy ground and going barefoot. And that's what I want to look at today. And if you're comfortable with it, you don't have to. Maybe you feel you can take off your shoes and stand before God here today for God to do something wonderful in the coming weeks and months. Amen? Amen. But that's not a pressure. That's just an invitation for those who would like to do it. It's not to make anyone uncomfortable. Even today, guys, shoes are very symbolic. The type of shoe we wear very often tells us something about who we are. It is a huge industry. So if you're athletic, you're going to wear a certain type of shoe. If you're sensible, you might have a sensible shoe. If you're very zingy, you might have zingy shoes. And if you really don't care and anything will do, even that itself is a bit of a symbol and tells us, where your priorities are and, and who you are. So shoes in our culture are also symbolic. I was shocked when I heard how much money people pay for, we used to call them rubber dollies in Cork generations ago, but sneakers, trainers, runners, it's a huge industry. I saw some stuff online and I couldn't believe the money people pay for them. Shoes are symbolic. But you know, sometimes the most symbolic thing we can do, if we love our shoes or we like our shoes, nothing wrong with liking shoes, sometimes the best thing we can do is take them off before God. And when we look at the Bible, we can see that servants in the time of Jesus and in the Old Testament, a servant, if you went to a home, the man and his wife, whatever, would have sandals on, but the servant would be barefoot. Equally, the Jewish priests in the temple would always take off their sandals or shoes before going into the holy place. And the symbolism was deep 
and powerful. So I've never really heard much teaching on this, and I think it has to be a part of what we should all know as we're on our spiritual journey. What does God say about going barefoot, and is it even a thing? Well, if we look at some of the Bible commentators, one of the most famous ones was a guy called Matthew Henry. He says in Scripture, taking off your shoes was a symbol of respect and submission. And while we know that servants did that with their masters, today we're called to be a different type of, we have a different master, and our master is the Lord. So we are, in a way, servants. The Irish theologian from the county Fermanagh, Adam Clark, he said, taking off your shoes was also a sign of laying aside the dust and the dirt of the journey. You see, our faith, we think maybe we're not that symbolic, but actually we have a lot of symbols. Last Sunday, we had the bread and wine. Now, while we don't believe it's the actual body and blood of Jesus, we do believe it's a symbol to help us remember. Equally, a couple of weeks earlier, we had, whatever it was, 15, 16 people in our spring water baptisms by immersion in the courtyard. And again, that was a symbol of the old life being buried and the new life coming up out of the water. It's the same with washing of feet, and I could go on and on. The anointing of oil, the lifting of hands. Our faith has a lot of symbols, and the symbols is for us. It helps you and me to get a deeper understanding, and it makes it a bit more real in our experience. So we're just going to look at two of many examples in the Bible where people took off their shoes before God. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move here now, and that every man and woman listening, here in the hall, upstairs in the atrium, uh, online, I pray, O oh God, that our hearts would be open for your word. Lord, if anything comes from me, let it be soon forgotten. But whatever is from you, let it stay forever in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A hero in the Bible was a man called Moses. Most of you heard of him. He's famous for being on Mount Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments. But before it was known as Mount Sinai, it used to be known as Mount Horeb in a quite desolate place. And this was Moses' experience there. Some of you will know this account very well, and for others this may be new. But let's just see it on the screen. Exodus 3, 1-5. to This is an abridged version. Moses was caring for his father-in-law's sheep near Mount Horeb. Then the Lord appeared to him in a burning bush. It was burning but not consumed. And when Moses came to look closer, the Lord called out to him, Moses, Moses. Here I am, he replied. Take off your sandals, Moses. This is holy ground. And this is a shortened version of what went on there. It's very interesting to see where Moses was at in his faith journey, in his life at this time. Moses was a mature man, and yet we're told straight away he was caring not for his own sheep, but for his father-in-law's flock of sheep. From a financial point of view, at this stage of life, 
In that culture, Moses would have been expected to be providing for his wife and his family. Yet, on the contrary, we read that Moses was being looked after by his wife's family. He didn't even have his own flock of sheep. Some of us can come in to a gathering like this and we may, may not be in a great place financially and somehow the evil one will use that to say, you're a loser, I'm here today to say, that doesn't matter to God, what matters is your heart, you're not a loser, not with Jesus. Who will say amen? Will anyone give me a hallelujah? That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't let that lie keep you back. So Moses wasn't doing great financially. He wasn't doing great socially. People would have probably whispered or had an old gossip about him. You see that Moses? It's his father-in-law's looking after him. Fella that age? Maybe people have gossiped about you or about me. It happens. The thing is, we serve an audience of one. Amen. What God thinks, that's what matters. What the gossips think, that doesn't matter. Amen? Amen. Praise God. It then goes on and it tells us that the Lord appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And this is important. It was burning, but not consumed. Amen. You see, fire can bring life and fire can bring death. You know that. If fire is out of control, it will kill us. Uh, last September, we put in a wood-burning stove in our house. I hadn't had one before. And what a difference. And the heat that it brings is fantastic on a cold winter's night. But it's safe. The fire and the heat gives us life. If it wasn't in that wood-burning stove and it was just out in the open, it would bring death. It would burn the house down and burn us with it. And here we see God is saying, I am powerful, I am supernatural, but I am a life giver. Hallelujah. He's a life giver. And here Moses is fascinated by this and he can see there is something of life about what's going on. He didn't understand it. Maybe you're here today and there's things you don't understand. When I went to Myra Linehan's house the first time, there was a load of things I didn't understand. It went over my head. But I knew God's presence was in that room. I knew it. And that was enough for me to start me on that part of my journey. The scripture goes on and it tells us that Moses said to himself, see he talked to himself. Anyone here talk to themselves? Dean, you were the first to put your hand up, boy. <laughs> I think it's good, it's healthy sometimes to give yourself a talking to. Moses talked, said to himself, and he said, I'll take a closer look at this great sight and see why the bush is not being consumed. You see, what was going on here was a miracle. It was supernatural. And what it did was it drew Moses' attention in. And it got his notice. And when Jesus Christ walked the earth, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he fed the hungry. The miracles drew people in to see what it was, what it was happening and what was going on. But the thing is, if we press the pause button there, and all that was happening was a burning bush, that's not going to do it to anyone. If it's just a bush that's burning and not being consumed, that's lovely, really. But it's not changing anyone's life. It's not opening up any understanding. There's nothing going on. 
until the word of God was spoken, nothing changed. And for us today, the supernatural should always be accompanied by the word of God. Because without the word of God, it doesn't explain. Some Christians are all about the supernatural, but there's nothing about God's word. And other Christians are just all about the word and nothing about the supernatural. Can I submit and suggest both are a bird with one wing? Why settle for half when you can have it all? Hallelujah. I want all the gifts God has for me. I want all the blessings God has for me. I want the word and I want the supernatural, not like a spoiled child, but this is what God wants us to have. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And until we hear God's word explained and spoken into the supernatural, we really aren't getting the picture fully. So the Lord didn't stop Moses at just a lovely sight. And if you see someone healed here, and we've seen many people healed here, or if you see someone whose broken heart is free, or someone with an addiction broken, unless you get the other half of it, that this is Jesus doing, and Jesus is doing it to bring people to him, we have to hear the other half of it. And that's what's going on here. So Moses come in, comes in, it got, it's gotten his attention, and then he hears the word of God. When he came closer, God called out to him, Moses. Moses. Remember Moses was a refugee from Egypt. Remember Moses had a shady past. He killed a man. This guy had so much against him. And yet God calls him by name. God has called you by name. If you think he's called you by name, can you say amen, which means I agree? Can I submit and suggest, even if you're new to this, you wouldn't be here unless somehow God has been calling your name. I don't mean you hear it audibly sometimes, but usually not. But God has been calling your name through circumstances, through uh, situations in your life, through your thoughts, through your emotions. God is calling you. He's drawing you. Hallelujah. That's what happens to all of us. That's why we're here and in places like this. And here God is calling Moses. But this time he calls his name twice. And this is significant because if God calls your name or my name twice, it's a sign something important is being shared, something powerful is happening, and we need to hear it. And he says, Moses, Moses. Look at the Bible. Abraham, Abraham. And that's in Genesis 22. Samuel, Samuel. Martha, Martha. Simon, Simon. Saul, Saul. Again and again. At important junctions and moments in your life, in my life, God will call our name twice. And if you're okay with Dean, he'll go, Dean, Dean. Not just Dean, Dean, Dean. Dara, Dara. Denise, Denise. Garnet, Garnet. He'll call our name twice. And when he does, we should always be sensitive, but whoa, something important is happening. And this was really important because Moses was going to go on to deliver and lead all of the Israelites out of slavery. But before the great deliverance, before the miracle, before the great work, Moses was called 
to take off his shoes. Take off your sandals, the place you're standing on is holy ground. And that's verse 5, and this is God speaking. What did Moses do? Moses took off his sandals. He stood with his feet touching the soil. And Moses honored God. Moses submitted to the word of God. And even though Moses did not want to do what God asked him to do, God asked him and he said, I'm raising you up and you're going to deliver millions of people out of slavery. And Moses said, I got a stutter. And God has a solution. And then Moses said, Ah, Lord, would you send someone else? I remember saying that to God. I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted a nice, easy life. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes it's not about having an easy life. Sometimes it's about putting your life into something that will last forever. Amen? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with our careers. There's nothing wrong with houses and cars and all of that. But you know what? They're all going to pass away. But the word of God will live forever. Hallelujah. So we sow into that which will live forever. And Moses took off his shoes and God used him greatly with all of the miracles and leading those people out of the slavery of Egypt. But it began with him taking off his shoes on holy ground. And that place no one really knows exactly where it was. That doesn't matter. For that moment, it was holy ground. And he took off his shoes and honored God. If we look at another great man of God in the Bible, and his name was Joshua, and he was now about to go in with the children of Israel and conquer the land of Israel. And we see it today spiritually. It's you and me taking possession of that which the evil one, Satan, has robbed from our lives, has robbed from our families. Broken hearts, broken minds, broken bodies, broken relationships. And we, and just as they went in to conquer the land, we're called to conquer and take that land that the evil one, that the enemy is occupying back. And the city of Jericho was a mighty city with high walls. And the children of Israel, led by Joshua, were called to take it back. But before he did... Joshua heard a sound and he went out and he looked and the Bible tells us in Joshua 5 when he was by Jericho before anything happened he saw a man standing before him with sword in hand are you for us or against us Joshua asked no I am the commander of the Lord's army he replied then Joshua fell on his face and worshipped him what can I do for you, Lord, asked Joshua. And the Lord said to him, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And Joshua did so, verse 15 says. And the whole chapter, the whole experience stops there. Stops there. And the next thing we read is a walk of faith by the people of God around the walls of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. And they inhabited the land they took back their possession but it began with Joshua taking off his shoes because God had asked him to do it because he knew it was holy ground where is that place nobody knows 
Nobody put up a holy statue there. There was no lovely little shrine put up. It was a moment between God and Joshua. And Joshua took off his shoes. Who cares about shoes if you're encountering the living God? Would you say amen? amen. Shoes don't matter. That statement, that symbol, it doesn't matter. I want to be right with God. And next Sunday, we're going to bring, if you want, empty shoes here. And we're going to pray into the battle. And don't fool yourself. It's a battle. It is a battle. Every heart that is one for Jesus, there is a spiritual tug of war going on. I would say for some of us here, there's a major tug of war going on. All of the doubts trying to pull you away. All the old addictions. All the old demons trying to pull you back. Pull you away. Pull me away. No. Jesus says yes. And to that I say no. And I say yes to Jesus. And Joshua took off his shoes. And he had a God moment, just like Moses, an encounter with the living God. But until the symbolism of respect, of submission, of surrender, of laying aside the dirt, until that happened, God wasn't going to move. It was almost like a test. It was almost like a, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Are you willing to do it? Oh, it's a terrible sacrifice, is it? Really? Are we that sensitive that I can't take off a shoe? Hello? But it showed where their hearts were. And both of those men, and there's many other instances, went on and they conquered something wonderful. We need to see our families and our friends one for Jesus. And I am not ashamed to say it. Why? Because that's the hope of the world. That's the hope of the world. Medicine is great. Psychology can be great. Money can be great. But I'll tell you who's the best. His name is Jesus. Because he'll heal even sometimes when medicine won't. He will come through financially sometimes when nobody else will. He will heal the broken heart when nothing else will. But it begins with taking off our shoes. So I really sense the Holy Spirit calling us to do this today. Because God is saying to us that there's a battle. You know that girl Fiona that we were mentioning earlier when a number of years ago we did the empty shoes Sunday. Neve went through a real battle. But she stayed fighting. She's here today despite all that the evil one threw at her. And she saw her best friend, one for Jesus. How about your sons and daughters? How about our mums and dads? How about our friends? How about our loved ones? We see them one for Jesus. Or we see their bodies or their minds or their hearts healed. How about we see it? You see, we can say God so loved the world and he did that. He gave his only son. But you know what? Sometimes we just have to crystallize and focus on one person. And that's what today is about, to prepare for next Sunday. Because if we don't care, we're not in a great place spiritually. We really should have enough care in our hearts to pray for at least one other person. There's about a thousand of us in the church. If each one of us reached out and we saw that person come through, that's a whole thousand people. Just think of their future. Think of the trajectory of their lives. That instead of turning to an addictive substance, they turn to Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. Instead of turning to a life of 
being a workaholic or sleeping with every second person or taking a substance or trying to get through and dying an early death, the trajectory of their lives are changed forever. Why is it that people of faith live the longest? Why is it that people of faith tend to have better health? Why? Why? Because when you have faith, it changes everything. And today, in our world, in Cork today, so many people are illiterate, not, not with reading and writing, but spiritually. And you know, there's a gap in there, and only Jesus Christ can fill that hole, can fill that void, can fill that gap. He's the one who fills it. And so today, we're going to stand and we're going to do battle. What happened to Jericho or what happened to Joshua? He went in and you can read it in the next chapter. And the walls of that mighty city came tumbling down and nobody could explain why. But God did a miracle. Think of the ground you need to capture in your life. God will use you and God will do something wonderful. But can I submit and suggest that today begins by taking off our shoes as an outward symbol of something going on in our hearts. Could the band come up, guys? Thank you. We're going to sing uh, a beautiful song. It's right from the scripture called The Goodness of God. And it's talking about all my life he has been faithful. And you know, up to now, you wouldn't be in here unless God had been faithful, nor would I. God has kept us sometimes despite what we've done rather than because because God is good but today we can celebrate that and his goodness can come after us and chase us but it begins with us doing this so could you stand let's join together we're going to sing a beautiful song in just a moment but can I say as well I'm also going to do a prayer and the prayer is called the prayer of salvation and this is a prayer for anyone here who has never known what it is to be born again in a real way, or perhaps you've drifted from God and you just want to come back to him. And so we're going to give you the opportunity in just a moment as well. And in just a moment, we'll throw up that slide again. But let's just sing and then we'll pray. All my life you have been faithful. Hallelujah. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will speak of the goodness of God All my life you have been salvation 
prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes for a moment, on stage and off stage, and all I can see are shadows here. But if you've never done this before, or if you want to come back to God with every eye closed, could you lift up a hand just so we know we're not speaking into the air? And we say it in solidarity with those six people who put up their hands. Are we okay with doing that? Praise God. Let's say the prayer together if you could repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life, my heart and my future. Forgive me my sins. I turn from them. I surrender to you and ask you to be my leader, my savior, my friend. Change my heart, Lord, and make me more like you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're one of those people who put up your hand, or maybe you didn't and you just prayed it, we'd love to give you this free book about the next steps you can take and it's called Made New Will You Let God Transform You? This is a gift from us to you Come to me or Dara or there's some up in the connect desk upstairs Can we give a round of applause to those six people? Well done! Hallelujah! I'm after taking off my shoes Now this is an invitation, it's not a pressure You mightn't feel you'd like to do it, but if you're okay with it, I'm going to ask you, take off your shoes and come and join us at the top. Let's sanctify ourselves before God, and let's allow the Lord to use us in the coming weeks, so that we can be a blessing to that person we're praying for.